0: What a morning. I know Christian just said of it, man, it has been an incredible morning so far. Uh, we want to thank the warehouse for letting us borrow some of their violinists this morning. Wasn't that incredible too? Man, that was so awesome. Yeah, did a great job this morning. Uh, we just, all of this is to really just give God glory, right? It's all hopefully focusing and pointing to Him this morning, and we're just so thankful that you're here with us. Well, we are almost there, guys. We are just a few days away from the unwrapping of all the presents, and coming with that is a very specific kind of conflict. There's coming with the unwrapping of presents a very specific kind of conflict, and I'll kind of tell you a little bit about what that looks like. So growing up in our house, uh, we always did stockings. Anybody in here do stockings? Yeah, stockings, kind of a thing in your house. Well, stockings at our house uh, and with my grandparents were always kind of like the appetizer to the gifts, right? So you did the stockings, and then, like, in our, in our house, it was immediately after. So we did the stockings, and then we'd run straight into the gifts. And at my grandmother's house, my Mima. Uh, My mom's mom, we would always do the stockings there, and we could see the conflict in my grandparents, and here's what the conflict looked like. I would get that stocking, I would open it up, and I'd start pulling things out, so you know, there'd be like a CD in there, and those of you that are younger, I'll explain later what a CD is, it's a compact disc, before Spotify and iTunes, we'll talk about later, but there'd be a CD in there, there'd be some lifesavers in there, and this was back in the day when the green lifesaver was lime and not nasty green apple back in the good days. There'd be all kinds of little things in there, and I'd pull out all of this stuff, and the, the stocking would still weigh like 15 pounds, and so I would get impatient as a kid. And I would literally just dump the stocking out, and out would come like seven oranges. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, why oranges? And so you know what what you did. If you you were a kid and you got oranges, you know what you did, right? You you stopped what you were doing, and you said to yourself, I need some vitamin C in my life. (laughs) And you just started peeling that orange, and... And just eating some. No, you didn't. What did you do with the orange? You literally took all the oranges and you went and dumped them back in the fruit basket that they came out of just five minutes earlier, right? The thing is, my Ma, and some of you, your parents, you grandparents, you're a conflicted parent when it comes to Christmas. You're a conflicted grandparent when it comes to Christmas because what we want And what we need are two very different things. And we all have our want list, don't we? I mean, not just kids. Adults have their want list, right? I mean, if you're shopping for me this Christmas, I'm a size four-wheel drive. So you can just work on that. But we do. We have a want list. In fact, I want you to just think about that question for just a minute. What is it that you want this Christmas? What is it that you want this Christmas? There's some young men, I'm sure, in the room that what you want this Christmas is a girlfriend, right? Um, you want a girlfriend. You're thinking to yourself, you know, I kind of I think I'm ready to start the journey of finding a significant other. And that's kind of on your want list this year. Maybe on your want list this year is a new job. Maybe you're tired of doing what it is you've been doing and you're just ready for a change of pace. You're looking for something different this year. Maybe you're in this room and you you want a husband this year. And maybe you're a young lady and you have been uh, pursuing Christ, pursuing purity, and you are in the stage of your life where you're ready to be married and you really, you, you want a husband. Maybe you just want a new phone this year. I mean, for some of you, maybe your phone has like eight minutes of battery and you're sitting there with seven charges in your chargers in your pocketbook, in your truck, and you're thinking to yourself, somebody wants a significant other. I just want an hour of battery life. Maybe this year you want a baby. Maybe that's on you and your spouse's want list this year. Maybe you want a relationship restored. Maybe you want a breakthrough in your life. And here's the thing. God understands and knows what you want. But he also knows what you need. And that list for a lot of us might be a little harder to come up with. What do you need this Christmas? You see, the beauty of Christmas is that God gets what he wants, and, or God knows what we want, and he's not necessarily opposed to what we want, but he also knows what we desperately need in our lives. He knows that, and sometimes what we want conflicts ...with what we need. And we see this unfold in the story of Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. And today we're going to look at the non-typical passage... In the book of Luke. Everyone always goes to Luke 2 and goes through 1 through 20 at Christmas time. We actually did that last week. But today I want us to look at something that might not be as typical, might not be something that you've seen before uh, in your studies. And one of the things that we know coming out the gate is this happens 40 days after Jesus is born. So 40 days after Jesus is born, Mary and Joseph are taking Jesus to the temple to worship and they're bringing with them a sacrifice of two turtle doves that's where it comes from in the song two turtle doves and on their way or at the temple they meet a man named Simeon and Simeon was promised by God that he would see the chosen one he would see the Messiah before he died And so Simeon's there, he sees Mary and Joseph, he sees the baby Jesus, immediately he knows this this is the chosen one. And he puts the baby in his arms, and he begins to speak this about Jesus to Mary and to Joseph. I'm going to pick up in verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and and for the glory to your people, Israel. Now, we've been saying this for several weeks, but what Simeon is reiterating to us is that Jesus didn't just come on the scene and on earth for just a special group Of individuals. No, he came to invite the uninvited and to go after the unimportant of the world, which compared to God is every one of us. And Mary and Joseph hear this. Look at what it says in verse 33. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. That's an interesting term there they marveled at what was said about him and that's like every parent right anytime a parent hears something good about their kid what do they do they marvel they're either marveled because they're trying to figure out if they're talking about the right kid or they're marveled because they're just proud of their kid they're thinking wow that's so cool what's being said about my kid and then he turns and gets a lot more serious In verse 34, Simeon says, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many. This child is going to be a determiner of people's destiny. And to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. What Simeon's saying is Jesus is coming in as light, and we know that, and he's going to shine light into the hearts of men, and we're going to see what's really there in the heart of men. And you know as well as I do, when that kind of light starts shining on the hearts of people, some people love it, and they fall down, and they worship. Other people are coming up against that this promised one is going to be opposed And then Simeon turns and looks at Mary, and he says something very hard to hear. And a sword, verse 35, the last part, he says to Mary, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Not the words Mary was hoping for. In fact, when you look at the whole Christmas story, we had literally glory to God in the highest, and peace is coming to those whom God's favor rests. And now we have the end of the Christmas story, or towards the end of the Christmas story, a sword will pierce your own soul too. You see, celebrations of Christmas focus often on sweetness, they focus on light, they focus on peace on earth. But it's not quite that simple. How does... This is a question I want you to think about. How does, a question, how does a surgeon bring peace to someone that has a cancerous tumor inside of them? How does a, sur- a surgeon bring peace to someone who has a cancerous tumor inside of them? You know what he does? He splits them open. He spills their blood... Because that is what is needed. And there's this painful collision that comes in between what's wanted and what's needed. Because Mary, what Mary wanted for her son was very different than what was needed. What any mother wants for their son in this situation would have been different to what was Needed, and you see what was needed for humanity was going to bring great pain to Mary. Her son would be mocked, beaten, bruised, whipped, crucified. The sin of the world and the wrath of God would be placed on him because that's what was needed. And getting in our lives, getting to what's needed in our lives at times brings a lot of pain. And it may even feel like a sword piercing our own soul. So what I want us to think about today is this. Let's not just go through Christmas the same way we've always gone through Christmas. We can sing our carols We can unwrap our gifts, we can eat our cookies and completely bypass what God is trying to do in our lives this Christmas, especially this Christmas with everything that has come this year, let's not miss out. So the question becomes, what do we need this Christmas? We've been saying it all Christmas long and it's a very Sunday school answer, but it's the truth. What we need this Christmas is found right here in this manger. Isaiah 9, 6, it's there in your handout so you don't have to turn there. It's also on the screen. It says this, what's in the manger? This is what Isaiah tells us is in the manger. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This is who God has given us to meet our greatest and deepest need. You know, I don't know when, where it all started, but have you noticed that literally gift cards have become the biggest thing in our country right now, Right? I mean, I literally live like a mile from from a Walgreens and I can go into Walgreens and literally get a gift card for just about any retailer or any restaurant that I want all within a mile's distance of my home. And this has kind of become a big deal to us, right? I mean, we get gift cards for people. And the reasons kind of vary. For some, it's because they don't really just know what to get that person because they're hard to buy for. The other reason, and the one we don't want to admit, is sometimes we forgot to the last minute and we're running on the way to grandma's house to get the gift card. But here's the thing. Gift cards have kind of become a big thing in our culture. In fact, I want to do a little survey. If you're a lady in the room... And you have an unused or a partially used gift card in your purse. You don't have to go look. And if you not just know it's there or at your home right now, just go ahead and raise your hand. Man, that's a lot. All right, you can put them down. Now, guys, maybe you're in the room. If you have, maybe not in your wallet, but somewhere in your sock drawer, somewhere in your closet, there's an unused gift card or a partially used gift card in your home right now that's yours, go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, isn't this crazy Gift cards are like a huge thing in our world right now. And the truth is, there will be billions and billions of dollars of unused gift cards. Gift cards that will sit and get lost and never be used. And here's the thing about gift cards. Retailers are banking on the fact that you will never use the promise that's sitting in your hand. That's that's what they want. They don't want you to use the promise of credit that's right there in your hand, that's already been given to you. And I think when it comes to this idea of want and this idea of need, this is where we find ourselves in the Christmas story. We find ourselves holding the greatest gift we've ever been given, given, the thing that meets our need better than anything. And spiritually, it's sitting in a drawer somewhere not being used. And I think a lot of the reason why is because we have decided to follow after mediocre and temporal satisfaction in wants and desires that aren't really that important in the scheme of who God is. And so I kind of want to identify what some of those wants are in our lives. You know, for some of us this Christmas, we have... We've kind of come to a tough year. It's been a tough year for a lot of people. And for some of us, man, we're coming out of this year, and honestly, if we were being truthful, emotionally, it kind of feels like we're just hobbling along. Like physically, we might be hobbling along, but emotionally, for some of us, we find ourselves right here hobbling along this Christmas. And here's the thing. We want, if we were honest with ourselves, we want some sympathy, we want some sympathy, not pity, but we want some sympathy. It's, it's kind of within us, this desire we have within us is to kind of get validation from our friends and from our family and from people we know. We kind of want this, via, this uh, validation in our lives of someone who cares, of someone who understands us. And we, we want this for us. We all want it. I want sympathy. I, it's the reason why we share our side of the story in an argument. It's the reason we post on social media. It's the reason we share in Connect Group. That deep down inside of us, there's a desire for sympathy. And who can blame us? But here's the problem when that becomes the primary want in our lives. When the primary want in our lives is sympathy... We start to get comfortable in that. We start to get comfortable in the feeling of helplessness that we find ourselves in. And it can even get to a point where we start using sympathy and we start using helplessness as a crutch that we kind of enjoy. And we find ourselves in a state of being the perpetual victim that every story we read on Facebook, every story our friends tell us, everything that, we, that our friends have going on and our family has going on, we look at it through this lens of, it's not as bad as what I got going on. It's not as tough as I have it right now. And it's so easy for us as we chase sympathy to become this moment in our lives where we just get comfortable in that. Where we get comfortable in living out chasing after our friend's approval and our friend's compliments and what the world says to us to validate us so we can feel like someone understands us. And we may want sympathy this Christmas, but we need a wonderful counselor. We may want sympathy this year, but we need a wonderful counselor, someone who understands us. We need something that can't be found within the compliments of our friends. We need something that can't be found in the self-help section on Amazon. We need a wonderful counselor. And Hebrews 4 tells us, if you are a believer in this room, this is the card, this is the gift card that we have in Christ. For we, Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted, has been tried, has has went through what we've went through as we are, and yet has done all of that perfectly without sin. You see, Christmas tells us that God became flesh, and he came to earth not in a whirlwind or some kind of storm. No, God came to earth as a single cell. It all started right there in the mother's womb. And God came, Jesus entered our world, not like a human, but as a human, that he went through puberty. That he went through pimples and cranky neighbors and trials and temptations and financial uh, trouble and all of these different things. This is who Jesus is. It's someone that has went through things that we've went through and come out and responded perfectly every single time. You see, the thing that we're chasing when we're chasing sympathy is for someone to understand us. But the the great thing about what we need here in the manger is that the person that we're looking to understand us is already here. He's already in our lives. It's this wonderful counselor that no one understands you better than Jesus. So rather than chasing sympathy, look at what it says in verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help In the time of need, God wants us to take our helplessness and He wants us to take it to the manger and lay it and trade it for hope. For us to lay down our desire for validation, our desire for sympathy, our desire for that, our desire for everyone trying to understand us. He wants to lay that down and say to God, you are wonderful counselor. You are the hope that has a name. And because of that, I can look to the wonderful counselor. I can look to him not chasing after sympathy. You see, our worship pastor said this the other day, and I love what he said. He said, we can find help on this earth in a lot of different places, but we can only find hope in one place, there in the manger. For some of us this Christmas, we want independence. For some of us this Christmas, we want independence, and who can blame us? This whole thing has felt in some way like a strip on our independence. And whether you're completely on this side on the argument of COVID or whether you're completely on this side of the argument of COVID, every single one of us has felt a restriction within our lives. And we've dealt with that. We want independence for our families. We want independence for our government and for our small businesses. We want independence for our churches. And and we want independence for our kids. I mean, this is something that's kind of in us, right? It's like the milestone for most young parents is independence for your kid going to the bathroom. Like that is the day that every parent longs for. The day, and we're we're so close, guys. We got one more, and we're almost there. But the day where there's independence there, I don't have to come in after you, you can handle it on your own. And here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with wanting independence. It's a noble virtue, but it's the same way with anything good in our lives. This desire for independence can sometimes breed within us subtly this idea that the person that I see in this every day is the most important person. That I look in this every day and I like what I see in this based on what I do, based on who I know, based on what I know, and based on what I own. And independence, if we're not careful, if that's our strongest desire this Christmas, Independence can create within us this idea of self-reliance. This idea that what's here is most important. And for some of us, we've got to be careful with this. Because independence makes us feel like we're in control and that we know best. And here's the indicator for you. If you're struggling with this, this is the best indicator for you. Everyone in this room has opinions about just about everything. The question is not whether you have an opinion. The question is, is, do you feel the need to give your opinion in everything? If that's you, and let me just tell you, this, this one is the one I struggle with the most. This idea that I think that this world needs my opinion on every little thing. And here's the thing, we want independence. We want Independence, but our independence makes us start to assume that God is going to do things the way that we do things. We begin to expect that God's gonna take the path of least resistance. We begin to expect that God's gonna take the shortest distance possible. We begin to expect that God's gonna do things the way that we would do things because we think what we're thinking is the best way. And when God doesn't do things the way we want him to do it, when God doesn't lift restrictions the way we want them to be lifted, when God doesn't make COVID just magically go away when we want it to, and when when that doesn't happen, that breakthrough with our family, when this doesn't happen the way we want it, to happen we begin to feel dissatisfied in God because our want is independence and we may want that this Christmas but here's the thing we need a mighty God we may want independence but we need a mighty God Isaiah 9, 6 says this, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. This wasn't just talking about the Roman government. This is talking about the government of the universe, that Jesus is literally running everything. Divinely, cosmically, he's running the show. It's all sitting on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. A mighty God that doesn't just do the things that we want him to do. And let's be honest, thank God for that. Because if we were honest with ourselves, we know that the things that we want sometimes and the things that we think are best don't actually turn out to be what we want them to be. Tim Keller, he's a, a pastor, a pretty popular pastor. I love what he says here. He says, if we knew what God knows, we would ask exactly for what he gives. If we knew what God knows, we would ask exactly for what he gives. Job 37.5, I love what's said here. Job's confession that God thunders wondrously with his voice the same voice that brought creation and universe and everything into existence, that voice, God thunders wondrously with his voice. He does great things that he cannot comprehend. That we may want, we may want, self-reliance we may want independence we may like the fact that when we look in the mirror all of our identity is based on what we do who we are who we know what we know but here's what God's saying to us he's wanting us to take that self-reliance and lay it down to the mighty God lay it down and trade it to the mighty God trading our self-reliance for his sovereign rule That we can say to God, in this season of Christmas, you are mighty. You are wondrous. Your ways are higher than mine. For some of us, this Christmas, we just want a plan. We just want a plan. Not a phase. (laughs) We want a plan. Like We just need a plan. We need someone to give us a plan. Because some of us are wired that way. We want the plan. And if we were honest, we live and die in our plan. We live and die by this thing right here. What is coming ahead? What is on the horizon? What is in the next hour of my day? What is in today? What is in tomorrow? What is in next week? What's next year going to look like? And for some of us, man, that's kind of where we're headed, right? Our hope gets caught up in the plan. So back in April, the hope was, well, when the summer hits, this thing will kind of go away and we'll be good by the summer, right? And then it became, well, once school starts back, surely everything will get back to normal and we'll be good then. Well, w- well once, once the election's over, once, once all the election stuff's over, it'll all get better. The plan, Right? Once that gets done, once 2021 hits, I don't know what the difference is between December 31st and January 1st, but somehow magically on 2021, everything's just going to get better. And it's this searching and this yearning for the plan. What does the future hold? And the fact is, you don't have any idea. I don't have any idea. We have no idea what's coming. You older folks in the room, you can know this better than I. Because you could rewind your life to high school and then fast forward it back to where you are right now. And you can tell me, you didn't see that coming, did you? You had no clue what was on the horizon. We don't know the future. I would have never guessed I would have gotten married to someone from California. And here's the crazy thing about that. I think about that. Literally, that all started my junior year in high school. I went to a college for a weekend my junior year in high school with my best friend. We just randomly picked a week. We went up there. We met some guys that we really liked. When we get to college my freshman year, we decide to be on that guy's hall. We get on his hall. We happen to be sister dorm with my wife's older sister, who's here, by the way, Charity, with my wife's older sister. Crystal's still not even in the picture yet. This is three years. She's not even in the picture yet. I happen to meet Charity, and then Charity, the next year, my sophomore year, introduces me to Crystal, Four years of me not knowing jack squat. And God was doing what he was doing. We don't have a clue what's in store. We don't know the heights of our joy. We don't know what the depths of our sorrow is. We, can't, we don't know what the best days are going to look like. And we can't even conceive of what the worst days are going to look like. So why worry about tomorrow when Emmanuel is standing right here with us in the right now? That we don't need to worry. And for some of you, you're thinking, well, that makes me nervous. Well, what makes you more nervous? Not knowing what you don't know or trying to control something that you don't know. God is in control. That we may want a plan this Christmas, but we actually need an everlasting father. Someone who is outside of time. Someone who is outside and in control of it all. Colossians 1:15 through 17 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That is crazy to think about. That the one that was born here was before all things. That's crazy. That's awesome And amazing when you think about it. That he is the creator and he is timeless. We say that God is omnipresent. We say that a lot and we say that means that God is everywhere. It doesn't just mean he's everywhere. It means, for lack of a better word, it means he's also every when. That he just doesn't have a vague picture of what's coming ahead. No, he's in the future right now. He's there and he's here. And when we see that about God, when we know that this child is the everlasting father, man, we can trust him. We can follow him. That we could lay down our plans. That we could take the time that's coming, the time that we're so worried about, that we're so fretting about, and that we could say to God, Lord, I'm trading that time in. I'm trading that plan in. You can have my time. You can have my plan because I know you're in control. That we could get to a place that instead of fearing, we begin to see. We begin to see what God is doing. I love what, we said this last week, but what the angel said to the shepherds, right? It says in Luke 2, 10, it says, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings. In fact, some of your translations might have the word for behold, the words for behold out of it. And I think it's a bad translation. And here's the reason why. Those words are there for a reason. Look at those words again. Fear not, for behold. What's the angel saying to these shepherds? He's saying, hey, don't fear. Stop fearing right now and look. Stop fearing and see. Stop fearing and focus. That we would reallocate our time from fretting about the future to focusing on the God standing in the right now. This is what God wants to give us. This is how God wants to meet our greatest need. For some of us this Christmas, we want distractions. We want distractions. And all of us have them. All of us have something that kind of distracts us and escapes us and takes us out, or at least we think, takes us out of this trouble that we're dealing with. It can be an entertainment. It can be social media. It can be whatever. But we like distractions because they give us this way to escape reality for just a little bit. And for a lot of us, I'll be honest, our distraction, everything we need is right here. This little distraction right here. We want distractions. And the reason I know we want them is because for a lot of us, including myself, I have a hard time staying off this thing. And we look at this, and we look at entertainment, and we look at all of that stuff, and what we're thinking is, if I can just have this in my life, I can get away from the chaos and everything out there. I can just have a moment of peace where I can just think about what I want to think about. And what we don't realize is this is actually the thing, and not just a phone— These distractions are what's actually causing the chaos in our lives. And it's not to say it's wrong to have hobbies or anything like that. What it's saying is this. For a lot of us this Christmas, we've tried to create distractions to help us forget about our troubles. To help us forget about the troubles we find in our life. But Christmas is not about forgetting our troubles in this world. Christmas is about remembering his triumph over the world. That we want distractions. But we need a prince of peace. We need a prince of peace. That the weariness you may find in your soul this year. The weirdness you may find in your life right now, it boils down to two things. No peace, chaos everywhere. No peace and chaos everywhere. And for some of us, we're thinking to ourselves, oh, I can't have peace. I can't, I can't do that. I, can't, I don't have time for Jesus right now. I've got too much chaos in my life. I don't have time for this. And what Jesus is saying to us is chaos is the time to have Jesus It's the time to bring him in. That God wants to give us more than just a distraction to help us forget about our troubles. He wants to bring peace in our lives. John 14, 27. Jesus says this about himself. And he says this to his disciples before he leaves earth. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. What he's saying here is that there is a peace that bypasses what the world is trying to offer you. And that peace is so much more than just a a moment in time where you get a moment from the troubles of your world or the troubles of your job or the troubles of your family. It's more than that little moment of peace. We're talking big peace. We're talking peace that can come in and rush in because of his sacrifice, because of what he did on that cross for us. Because of that, we can have peace and we can have confidence in the chaos of this world and in the chaos of our lives. To kneel before the manger today and to take our distractions and hand them over to the Prince of Peace. To say, Listen, Lord, the pain and discomfort of kneeling and giving you all of my distractions and all of my worry and all of my chaos, the pain of kneeling is not as wonderful as the pleasure and the power of the peace that you want to bring into my life today. And this is what brings peace into our weariness. This is the Christmas story today that we may want peace. Or excuse me, we may want distractions. We may want a plan. We may want sympathy for what we've went through this year. We may want all of these things. We may may want self-reliance. But what God wants to give us is better than these abstract little things. He wants to give us himself today. The child that lays in a manger that is the wonderful counselor. everlasting father the mighty God and the Prince of Peace so I'm gonna ask you if you would just get and bow your heads and close your eyes there are some wants and some desires that you may be having in this room today that you need to painfully trade today for what we need we said this earlier but it's painful it's not easy giving up our wants. It's not easy laying them at the manger. Laying them at the foot of the cross. It's not easy to do that. But it's what needs to happen for God to work in our lives. I think back on Mary and I think about her life. Man, aren't you thankful that God didn't give Mary what she wanted? Aren't you thankful that God gave us all what we needed instead of what we wanted. And man, even looking back, I bet Mary thinks the same thing. God, thank you for not giving me what I wanted, even though it hurt, even though it was like a, a sword piercing my soul. Thank you, God, that you gave us what we needed. And Mary did have to watch her son die on a cross. And Mary did have to see that play out But man, God did something incredible in her life. She got to see God, Jesus resurrected. She got to be a part of the birth of the church all because she was willing to experience the pain of releasing what she wanted to give her and to give us what we needed. That in the midst of chaos, in the midst of helplessness, in the midst of self-reliance, and in the midst of failed plans, God is making a way for us. It might be painful, it might feel like a sword piercing our soul, but he is making a way to peace. Just a minute, we're about to sing a song that we literally sang at Easter out in the parking lot we sing this song in the parking lot at in at Easter and here's the thing I, I don't want to be too honest and I'm not trying to bring any a little despair into your world but you know what not much in this world has changed from Easter to now not a lot's changed out there but God wants to change us that we can declare that despite the feeling of helplessness this Christmas, despite the plans being wrecked and the chaos may be surrounding us today, he is in our midst. He is turning lives around. He is way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. He is our light in the darkness and that is our reason to celebrate today. So we're going to stand. If you would, let's go ahead and stand to our feet. And as we get ready to sing, let's remember the sacrifice that Jesus has made on our behalf. Not just giving us what we want, but giving us better than that. He's giving us what we need. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have made a way for us. You make a way for us. When we don't see it, when we don't feel it, when we don't think it's there, you are moving and making a way for us. And God, thank you that you don't do things the way I want you to do them. Thank you that you're not on my timetable. Thank you that you are far better than my friend's approval of me. Thank you, Lord, that you are better than any distraction that I might try to put in front of me to forget the troubles of this world. God, help me to remember the triumph that you have had over the world. So God, in this moment, I pray, Lord, as we get ready to leave here, that we would worship you, that we would sing this out, not just to sing words, but to declare that you are our way maker and that we have a reason to celebrate this Christmas. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name.